Welcome back. That's right, it's me, Gavin, still flying solo, the Mixed Reviews resident Scrooge, and I'm on the search for holiday movies that I can actually get behind. So this year, I'm inviting ghosts of podcasts past and podcasts yet to come to join me and present to me one of their favorite holiday movies. Who knows? Maybe I'll get the last slice of Roast Beast this year. This is a The Mixed Reviews special presentation, Gavin's Holiday Gauntlet. Welcoming back to the show, writer, critic, and podcaster from the Untitled Cinema Gals podcast, Morgan Roberts. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm so happy to have you on. Now, you were on our Lynn Shelton episode, which was fully a suggestion by you, and mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite shows of this past year. And I know it probably sounds like that, that I say that to every guest who comes back on, but it's true because... You know, I think as a as a film podcast, there are a lot of people in the industry that have a tendency to get overlooked or don't get to have their flowers given to them. Unfortunately, Lynn Shelton passed away, so we weren't able to sing her praises while she was still here. But I think it's important to be able to go back and look at somebody's career, even if it's a rather short career and and you know, eulogize them and celebrate them. And and I, I just particularly love that episode because we don't get the chance to do that that often on this show. Yeah, well, I uh, really appreciated the fact that you sent me a giant list of suggestions and I was like, love this. Let's not do any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Those were all the things we had done before. So I was like, just in case you didn't want, you know, like, so you knew what was not available. That's, yeah, no. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's yeah. do... Because, I mean, she, um, yeah, she had eight feature films. Um, most of them were not, like, dialogue scripted. They were all outlines, which I think is really amazing because you have to get really good actors to be able to capture what you want as the director. And um, she also went on to do a bunch of prolific work on television. And it was just really nice to sit there and talk about someone who, started their career much later in life and really you found especially after her passing was so renowned and respected by her colleagues absolutely and so incredibly talented and i think because she worked in a realm the sort of improv mm-hmm. um you know lack of a script the that maybe she wasn't as recognized i mean she was also very much an independent filmmaker. The closest she ever really got to the mainstream was working in television, was, you know, doing these high-profile, like, little fires everywhere and, and, you know, glow. But I think because of that, people tend to not know who she is. And so it's one of those things where it's, like, it's great to to do an episode that celebrates her and hopefully introduces her to a wider audience or an audience that perhaps would not have seen her work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I had such a fun time with you and Louie on it and just being able to watch all of her films and actually sit there and critique it. Um, Because I always say she's my favorite filmmaker and that's really hard to get people to be enticed about because again, it's mumblecore and you're thinking of like Joe Swanberg and the Duplass brothers, which have some hits, but have some really wild misses. Yeah. So, you know, it's it was kind of nice to actually sit there and be like, yeah, this is why she was so magical with her work. And honestly, and we won't even get into the sexism of society and the business and everything. But like, once again, that was you mentioned Mumblecore and the first two names that come to 
to oh, mind yeah. our, our men, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, she <laughs> she not only defi- helped define this genre, she also really elevated it. So oh, that's yeah. <laughs> but but we're not here to talk about Lynn Shelton, though I am always happy to do that now that I feel so well versed in her career because of you. Uh, we are here to talk about holiday movies. And so I gave you the task of finding a holiday film that you wanted to discuss. And I'm going to let you tell everybody what film you picked. And I'm going to give you the moment to describe the plot if they have not seen this very widely seen film. <laughs> this, yeah. Uh, so I chose 2005's The Family Stone, which I think is just a delight because you have a host of incredible actors as they play the Stone family coming together for Christmas. The matriarch is played by Diane Keaton and her eldest son is returning home with his very uptight girlfriend. And it is uh, really just a family trying to adjust to the um, lifestyle of a corporate sellout <laughs> uh being reintegrated into their very hippie family. Excellent. And and that's a that's a good the, you know that touches on the main plot points but yes. man there is so much going on. I mean this is a large family even so much so that I I've seen this movie a couple times prior to this and I'd forgotten. So by the time that like Luke Wilson shows up I'm like dang five kids <laughs> like yeah. like wow. They're hippies. They're hippies exactly. What is it that draws you to this film? I think what makes the film more interesting is, I mean, it has kind of like the hokiness of family coming together for the holidays. There's a little bit of a black sheep. There is a significant other that people don't like, but at the same time, it's also about a family that is kind of healing from past trauma and it, you know, sitting in anticipation for future trauma because, spoiler alert, one of the many side plot points is that Diane Keaton's character had breast cancer and her cancer has returned and she's not going to be receiving treatment for that. So I think that that's so interesting because we're kind of distracted by their sometimes pettiness and them trying to revert back into their family roles. But then you start to see glimpses of them just trying to preserve those moments because they know that their mom isn't, that this is probably going to be her last Christmas with them. Now, I I love, first of all, I want to get this out of the way. Um, I think all of the performances are really great in this movie, but I will say, and this is why I was excited to have you on to talk about this. This is not a film I like. This is not a, I will will be honest. I'll be, um, but, I think everybody is really top notch in this movie. We did a Diane Keaton episode, and I especially think I think it's difficult to play somebody coming to terms with their own mortality mm-hmm. in a way that they know they know they're facing, you know, that this is the last Christmas. I think she becomes the easiest character to sort of understand in terms of the treatment of Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Because she obviously wants her children to be happy. And she sees this woman coming in that she, from the jump, is like, this is the wrong fit. You d- mm-hmm. you don't. And I, you know, I do not want my son spending the rest of the his life with this woman just because 
he thinks that getting married would make me happy because I'm dying. And I think that also adds a layer to her character where she's a little harsher that I think a, a lot of the matriarchs in these movies are portrayed. The scene where he goes to ask her for her wedding ring, her grandmother's wedding ring. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, tough shit. Yeah. <laughs> is one of my yeah. favorite things. Because I do think at that point, the lack of inhibition, the idea that she knows she's not going to make it to the next year. You know, she, she's like, well, no, I want you to know I think you are making a mistake. And... I, I think, as I said, I, I really enjoy all the performances, especially hers. Mom, do you remember when I was dating Beckett Royce? Oh, but she was great. She was nice. To... But what you told me was when I met the woman who was to be my wife, that I should come to you. That I should come to you because you wanted that woman to wear your mother's wedding ring. Well, I met that woman, and I want to ask you for the ring that you promised me. I'm going to give it to Meredith tomorrow. On Christmas. No. Mom. I can't. That woman. That woman? Okay, Meredith, Meredith. It's just, honey, I can't give you my mother's wedding ring so that she can... You promise to me. Tough shit. She's maybe my favorite character in the film uh but we'll get to that but i i am curious uh when was the first time you saw this movie and i know you've you've actually written a review so uh, i will you should mention where people can find that review oh yeah so i wrote a review um for the online publication in their own league um because we were talking about some of our favorite holiday films and this is has always been one of mine i think i saw it very shortly after it came out i didn't go to theaters to see it but definitely to age myself went to a blockbuster to rent it <laughs> um because i was in a very deep uh rachel mcadams phase who is my favorite character in the film <laughs> um and it's really interesting because i think on the first watch i was kind of like well this was not anything that i expected and as i've gotten older and like continue to re-watch it there are some really tiny things that they do in their performances that i think were probably a little bit ahead of its time, though there are some things in it that are like very mid 2000s that you're <laughs> like, okay, that is appropriate for the time I, that this. I would occurred. also say that there's some things that occur in this movie that are way prior to that, but I'll I'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, but I mean, like you know, you have um, Elizabeth Reeser who's playing the eldest daughter, who is kind of in a matriarchal role as well because she is trying to be supportive of her brother who brings this woman that no one really likes but she's also trying to sit there and validate her other siblings feelings um i think that amy is my favorite character mainly because as the film progresses you realize how close she was with her right. parents especially and so i think that sarah jessica parker's character is an easy target for her because instead of letting out the sadness and anger that she has about the situation, she can just be particularly mean and cruel. And she is. And that's, I, I will say, one of the things that is unique about this movie is, um, and I wish perhaps maybe the movie didn't want you to like her as much as they do, but she's also Rachel McAdams, so it's really yeah, hard to hate her. <laughs> but she's mean. She she's is mean. mean. She's and, very mean and an instigator. 
And this is not me defending Sarah Jessica Parker, because Sarah Jessica Parker does some shit in this movie that is not right. Uh, but I will say that the the way that this movie sets up its characters is, you know, he's coming home with this woman and none of the family really knows her. And also, by the way, guys, don't do that to your family. No. <laughs> don't don't introduce the woman you're going to marry for the first time as your fiance. Like, ease in. Um, yeah. No, he's just coming in hot with like, it's mom's final Christmas. Here's this crazy lady that I'm yeah. about to marry. <laughs> exactly. Big mistake. Huge. But I will say all anybody has to go on is Rachel McAdams' character. Mm-hmm. And she arrives maybe 10 minutes beforehand. And she is poison. She's just like, I'm going to pour this poison in your ear. I'm going to tell you all about I went to lunch with them. She wouldn't shut up. And I was just like, okay, okay, <laughs> let's calm down. And also, um, sorry, and I will let you get back. I don't mean to interrupt your thought. No, you're good. It's the um, scene in which... They play charades. She is so cruel to Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, yeah. And I am ha- happy, actually, that um, Patrick Thomas, uh, Thad's partner, we haven't even touched on Thad. Thad is uh, there. I want to say, if if I was to guess age range, right? Would you say Rachel McAdams is the baby and Dylan yes. McDermott is the... Well, so the lovely part about renting DVDs at Blockbuster is that they <laughs> used to have these cool things called DVD commentaries. Kids, and DVDs, you really missed out. You really, really missed, missed out on those. Um, but what's really interesting is they had a very intricate backstory. And this film just plops you in the middle of it where all these actors had... I think that's probably why their performances are so great because... They are fully fleshed out people before we get to see them. And so, yeah, Rachel McAdams is the baby. And there's a whole plot about how she moved back home to help care for her mom, which isn't explicitly said. And then, yeah. So I think Thad is probably next youngest. Okay. that That's sort of what I was going. That's where I thought. I thought like, in, in terms of the... The lineage. I was like, Thad, yeah. maybe next. Um, Thad's character is their their second youngest brother. He is uh, both deaf and gay. He has brought a black partner home with him. And I like this is part of the movie that kills me because they feel very tokenized. And so it's it's kind of hard for me to watch the stuff that Patrick, his partner, goes through as the only black person in the cast. Uh, Rachel McAdams during the there's a, a famous scene where they play charades and Sarah Jessica Parker gets the clue the bride wore black Patrick shouts something at her a suggestion and she points at him while she's supposed to be doing the final word and Rachel McAdams jumps mm-hmm. I can't believe you're pointing at him I can't believe you're pointing at him what who no I, you're he... totally pointing at him which guy I wasn't pointing at him you still are. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, my God. Is he a clue? Fourth word. I wasn't. Fourth word. Yeah. Oh, come Meredith. on, Meredith. Meredith. Wow, you guys are such unbelievable No, Meredith, don't jurors. quit. Come on. What just Shorty, happened? Fetch that for me, please. I don't even know how to read. What was the answer? Uh, the bride wore... The bride wore black. Thank you, Amy. I'll be honest, and something I've never noticed in the in the couple times I watched is Patrick calls her out on it. She, yeah, he does, which yeah. I think is one of those things because he it's set up that he he's going to be calling her out because she is there talking and signing 
which yes. Rachel McAdams, by the way, was really good at being able to act and sign at the same time. Um, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, but, you know, she's talking about how much she hates Meredith and how she's annoying. She has this throat tick and all of these things. Yeah, and the- <clears throat> he was like, you didn't like me the first time you met me. And she's like, I love you. And he was like, that took, this took a while. Yeah, so, this took years. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they, there is, I think that the person who picks up the most on Amy's toxicity is Diane Keaton's character, Sybil. Yeah. Because I think that they have a very kind of close, slightly enmeshed relationship because her character went to go live with her parents right. to take care of mom. But like, I think one of the things is everyone hates it because they're mean, but it's just Diane Keaton and Rachel McAdams who are particularly <laughs> which, mean. Like everyone else which is I like. Was, yeah, I don't, I never remember the fact that Craig T. Nelson's actually quite nice. Yeah, he's a great patriarch in it. And he's. Yeah. I think what's great is watching him and uh, Luke Wilson have a scene together where they go and get stoned. And I think it's such a great scene because in my mind, Luke Wilson's probably like the middle child because he is much more easygoing. He's the one who brings pot to Christmas. And so he just is kind of having a, you know, dad is trying to have a family. Our eldest daughter's trying to have a family. Who knows what? (laughs) <laughs> uh, Dermot Moroni's doing over here. We know that Rachel McAdams is just a sad, you know, crazy youngest child. Um, I just need to be straight with someone that this is what's <laughs> happening. And it's a kind of a sad, sweet moment. I, I do appreciate that you ended up knowing from the special features that element, especially of Rachel McAdams, because I think something like that even and this isn't a short movie. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, well, the movie should be much longer. Uh, you know, it's 104 minutes. It's a it's a good running time for for a comedy. Mm-hmm. I almost wish there was some key to that because I can only judge a movie based on mm-hmm. the movie that's presented. And that is such an important piece of backstory information because she's essentially the like third or fourth lead in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you end up spending a lot of time with Rachel McAdams' character, even so much so that the film feels like it it owes her a, a sort of happy ending. You know, yeah. so that you get the introduction of this character played by Paul Schneider. He's an EMT that she's had a previous relationship with that, you know, things sort of seem to sour, but now that she's back in town, maybe stuff. And also, by the way, Paul Schneider is fucking hilarious in this film. Um, when things are chaotic at the end and he like stops to introduce himself <laughs> to Claire Danes. <laughs> yes, it it's is great. It's so funny. I've I've um been in a social situation with Paul Schneider. Weird dude. Good weird. Not creepy weird, but weird dude. But I will say, uh, yeah, I I wish the the, the fleshy stuff that's that's not there for Rachel McAdams was, was there because when and once again, not to defend anything Sarah Jessica Parker does in this movie, but when she gets her comeuppance in the end, when, you know, her strata spilled all over her and she's finally calling the family out, and uh, which I think is actually my favorite scene because of the the dialogue there, even though there's so much chaotic stuff happening. Um, the She points at Rachel McAdams and she's like, and you, you're the worst! Yes. <laughs> she's like, I'm the worst? Yeah. And I'm glad somebody acknowledges it, at least in the film, because I would be like, Oh boy, how can they let this this woman get away with this? 
Yeah. Um, there's something you mentioned in your review, actually, about the eldest sister, Elizabeth Riser's character, uh, being sort of matriarchal. And there's a scene where she, Rachel McAdams has fallen asleep on her and she's sort of petting her head mm-hmm. in a very motherly way. And the way the shot is composed, you don't necessarily know that it's Rachel McAdams. And she has that line of, like, she's peaceful when she's like this. And it could either be her daughter or Rachel McAdams, which is a funny line if it's her daughter, because her daughter's been nothing but an angel this entire film. for breaking that shoe. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Instantly warming to the family, she breaks Sarah Jessica Parker's shoe. I, I like Sarah Jessica Parker's response. It says so much when she just says, it's okay, I have a, another outfit with another pair of shoes or something. And it was yeah. just like, ooh, ice. Um, yep. But there, and I honestly didn't know that that was Rachel McAdams' character, that she was like. Yeah. And, well, and it adds a depth to their particular relationship as well. And I think it's really interesting because earlier in the movie as well, there's a scene where Diane Keaton's character is taking a nap and she goes and like sneaks up there and kind of snuggles with her mom, but she's yeah. in the quote unquote big spoon position. Yes. So she's essentially kind of being the nurturer for her family and not doing it in a very explicit way. Like she snuck away to go to her napping mother she just let her sister fall asleep on her. Like it just, I think that she brings such a grounding presence that is really easy to kind of overlook because you have, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker being as high strung as any human could possibly be. You have Rachel McAdams literally just trying to burn everything down. Yeah. You have Luke Wilson kind of just being this weird hippie dude who's hitting on his brother's girlfriend the whole time. Yes, <laughs> he's he's so good. I uh, my favorite Luke Wilson scene, and that's because I'm only human, is the scene in which he goes to the car as you know after the charades incident. Sarah Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker's character decides she's going to go stay at the inn in town, and he goes out to make sure she's going to come back to the house. And he is wearing like he's wearing a t-shirt, but then also <laughs> gray sweatpants without any underwear. Yeah, he started the gray sweatpants. (laughs) And he's just stretching in front of her, and she's, like, trying not to look. She's Mm -hmm. looking respectfully. But it's so funny, and Luke Wilson plays that pitch perfectly because you're well aware his character knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He plays off that he's stupid, but... Yes. Now, am I correct in thinking that he is the only character that doesn't know that Diane Keaton has decided not to continue treatment? I I don't know, because there was a scene So after he gets stoned with dad, he comes home and is like sobbing with yeah. mom and she kind of tries to shut it down. So I think that everyone is kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Because that no this, one is explicitly saying because the and, scene that you mentioned with Elizabeth Reiser, where she she you know sp- spoons her in a motherly position, <laughs> that sounds so weird, but that's exactly what happens. <laughs> yep. And she, you know, Diane Keaton turns to her and she's like, "Who knows?" And then you also have the the jewelry store scene between Thad and Dermot Mulroney's character, where Thad's. First of all, Thad begs Dermot Mulroney not to marry this woman. If I had a sibling that did that, let me tell you, I would be so mad. Because yep. th- once again, Thad has not given her a chance either. 
he's like, is this because of mom? And Dermot Moroni's like, of course it's because of mom. Yeah. And and so I felt like I was like, so is the only kid who doesn't really know Luke Wilson? I, I think that they have all kind of figured out that it's back. Um, but I think that that's kind of the, I don't think anyone has explicitly said what she's doing and not doing. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of, why everyone's like, look, we don't know what's happening with mom. So we have to make all of these wild and crazy decisions because who knows what's happening where I think Craig T. Nelson's character essentially is like, I, I'm the only person who really knows that yeah. this is what, like, this is the time frame that we're looking at. And their, he had to tell someone. Their relationship is once again, to me, it's the most fleshed out. It's so tender and so sweet. I think one of the most famous moments in the film is there's a montage of sort of how everybody is spending this this night together after this um, climactic dinner scene, which I will talk about or or I will yeah. we will bring up next. But you know, it's this montage of everybody together what they're doing that night, and she's in bed with Craig T. Nelson, and he opens her shirt to reveal her mastectomy scars, mm-hmm. and. That scene is so well handled and so delicate and emotional that I was like, why can't I have more? And I get it. Once again, this movie's a big throwback. This movie's like a big trying to be. It's funny that both you and your co-host Chels picked screwball comedies, because that's what this is. Okay. This is this is meant to be that sort of late 40s, you know. And so I can't completely be like it's a bad movie because it's taking a lot of beats from there. Uh, But that I wanted more of that. I wanted more of that touching, you know, those tender moments that really allow these characters to blossom and bloom and to Mm -hmm. feel really lived in. Um, That I think is maybe one of my favorite scenes in the movie and, and not played in sort of a shocking manner and not played. Mm -hmm. It's just played as a fact of their lives. And the moment of their life that you're seeing is the moment that they are living in. Yeah. And I think, I think too, like, again, this movie came out in 2005. So May 2004. Yeah. At that time, we really were, you kind of stayed in your lane. You were a comedy or you were a drama. And so I think that this is kind of a, and this was a Fox film. So like, they have money. I mean, yeah. you have Craig T. Nelson and Diane Keaton as your as the heads of this family. And then you have all of these other I mean Sarah Jessica Parker's Sex in the City, Claire oh, Danes. Yeah. I, I mean everything. G- genuinely. And they spent you know, it's an eighteen million dollar movie and it it looks it. It's not a cheap film by any mm-hmm. means. And it made ninety two point nine million. So it's certainly what yeah. e- even regardless of any critical commentary. It was a success. So, but it was interesting that this was kind of one of their almost like first attempts to take, like, you can have funny moments and sad moments and it can still be a comedy because life is kind of like that. Yeah. Um, And so I think that there is definitely room for improvement, but for what was happening at that time in film, I think that it definitely was trying to muddy the waters a little bit to hopefully elevate the genre later on there are two more things i want to touch on before we wrap up um one i do want to touch on claire danes uh whom i love and once again once again 
no weak link in this cast. Claire Danes is Sarah Jessica Parker's sister, who, after having such a terrible time, uh, she has called her sister in to sort of act as a, a buffer. And mm-hmm. and as Dermot Mulroney puts it, she is giving up her Christmas with her family to come spend their Christmas because mm-hmm. her sister is so miserable because of the way the family is treating her. Um, Claire Danes comes off a bus. Instantly, Dermot Mulroney falls in love with her. She falls from that bus. And because of that, the family loves her. I think, well, because I mean, like, her character is much more, like, indie and uh, a little less pretentious, not as high strung, or at least outwardly high strung. Because I think that there are moments later where it kind of is like, oh, yeah, that's why they're siblings, because they both (laughs) have the same, like, freaking out. uh, And and I think that goes back to the fact that, like, it's all really good performances, because, yeah, yeah, like, you... You genuinely get a sense, and much in the same way that the the Stone family are all related and and they make sense together, you definitely get the sense that Sarah Jessica Parker and Claire Danes are related. And, you know, siblings aren't exactly the same. You know, I have two older sisters. We're certainly all very different people. and and, But there are things that you share commonalities that, and I think that that is played really well. Yeah, and I think, because I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker comes in and is like awkward because she doesn't like, she's like Ricky Bobby not knowing what to do with his hands. She's like, where do I belong? What do I do? And then when she's integrating herself in the family, like she is just nonstop talk. And, you know, in a family of seven people, you can't have one person that's like trying to dominate attention and conversation and stuff like that. Like she just doesn't, understand that and then you have claire dane show up and she's like oh yeah i felt whatever i'm clumsy and they're like wow she's so easygoing like how great what if she and ben got together because i guess luke wilson needed someone because they were bored um (laughs) but yeah like they just had these very different introductions because they hold themselves very differently but yeah in a later scene where uh claire danes tries on is kind of forced to try on this uh, engagement ring. It yes. gets stuck. And then she panics and her and Sarah Jessica Parker, like panicking together. It was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you understand. And that's definitely a screwball comedy. Like mm-hmm. why would he, why would Dermot Moroni ever force her to put on that ring? But, but they, that's, but that's what makes but it a movie. they also question it. They're right. like, why would he do that? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They seem to be, they're like, what is this? <laughs> Calm yeah. down, everybody. Um, the, the last thing I did want to touch on, I think is, is the, the apex scene in the movie, the scene that everybody remembers, which is the dinner scene. It yes. occurs maybe halfway into the film maybe closer to two-thirds in the movie but it it's really the moment where you realize like how different sarah jessica parker is from their family and how much she is not right for dermot Mulroney. um i will say once again it does feel a little bit like an ambush but mm-hmm. but she is she is wrong in the scene and I, yeah. I think that but essentially what happens is they're having dinner and thad and uh patrick announced that you know they're they're gonna have a kid or they're gonna adopt and um there there's a comment made about diane keaton's character wanting all of her boys to be gay in her family Mm -hmm. so they would stay with her which i think is cute and very funny and sarah jessica parker comes back with like well you you didn't want that did you like you you know you want 
normal children, isn't it hard enough? And like spirals from there. Meredith. No, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, please d- don't misunderstand me. It's I I don't. Well, I I mean, all I all I mean to say is that just I just don't think that any parent would hope for a child to be challenged like that. I'm sorry, I didn't hear a word you said. Sorry, this isn't coming out right. I just, all I'm trying to say is that I, what I mean to say is life is hard enough as it is, and it just seems to me that you wouldn't want to make it any more difficult for your child. I mean, Patrick, Patrick, you must understand what I'm trying to say, right? What What did you say? Oh, well now, boss, I think we have been hit no, 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 I'm sorry, I did not mean that. Honestly, Why I... Why don't you try saying I, what it is you do mean? Everett. I'm sorry. Well, that's enough. I just think any parent would want a normal child. Oh! God damn you, okay? Sybil. Don't Sybil me. Just for the child's sake, just to make it easier for the child. That's enough! That scene is tough because I do, th- I think that everything in that moment is built obviously to, to make you not side with Sarah Jessica Parker. And I do think you've been given enough information to determine that she is capable of something like that. But I kind of feel like, once again, not me defending her character because she's a character I, I don't particularly like and maybe would be kind of on their side if this was the real real world but it's it's unfortunate because it does feel like a trap that's been set for her yeah i mean it is i think one of the things about it is it they're clearly trying to condense an entire dinner into a scene so like that's where it kind of feels like oh we're kind of going from you know, them talking about adopting a baby. And then, you know, Claire Dane's character does kind of ask, you know, is there a preference on race? Because I think that that's kind of a normal thing to ask if you have an interracial couple. Like, is there something that, especially like, are you facing barriers would probably be the more appropriate question. And, and And I think that's really where it comes in is like, she starts off down a bad path that she mm-hmm. hasn't fully thought through. And I do think the movie does a good job of of trying to get there. And unfortunately, everybody's sort of dogpiling. Yeah, and, and it goes there fast. Yeah. Um, but like I think if you were having a normal dinner conversation, you could totally see these characters starting to delve into that because they are very much seem like very waspy. Claire Danes and Sarah Jessica Parker's characters come off at these very waspy people. So, I mean, to ask, you know, preference of child's race is questionable and not so great. But then, you know, she's also very apologetic about it of saying, like, I don't mean to offend. I'm really sorry that that's a question that I asked. And, you know, they're very, like, quick. And she doesn't dig herself a hole after that she doesn't keep asking so i think that by doing that they were trying to juxtapose how these sisters operate where one will be like look i said something stupid i'm gonna apologize they were gracious enough to answer we're gonna move on where sarah jessica parker's character just keeps digging a hole (laughs) because i think that one of the things that's established is she's someone who really likes to be in control so when she sees that she is 
digging herself a hole. She wants to try to undo that, but then makes the situation worse. So yeah, but yeah, I think it, it happens so fast that that's why it feels particularly awkward, but I think that it would have been an inevitable conversation because the way that she already was treating Thad because he is hard of hearing was like, oh, she really doesn't encounter people who are different than her because she's just shouting at him. And it's like, that's not how you... I I always forget that her very cringy introduction to Thad is that she is shouting at him like like a cartoon character does in a movie from the 40s where they they someone doesn't speak English you know that's and but I mean that's also a really real response like when you see people who are being introduced to deaf and hard of hearing people they shout at them it's like that's not if you don't know American Sign Language get someone who does yeah say I'm sorry or you've been dating this guy long enough, you could maybe learn a couple of phrases yes. at this point if you know this about one of his family members. Yeah. You don't have to be proficient. Just the fact, I mean, it's like going to another country and just learning like, help, I'm lost, I'm sorry, I'm American. Like in whatever language you're being integrated into, yeah, they're going to appreciate the fact that you're saying something to them trying to communicate. But instead she just, shouts and then insults him by saying you wouldn't really want all of your sons to be gay because that's really tough and difficult which in 2005 wasn't completely untrue right no and and i will give for as much as i'm complaining about tokenism and i still think that that is true uh thomas bazucha i believe Mm -hmm. that's how you say his name who wrote and directed this movie is a gay man so I, I know that he's probably not attempting to downplay his own experiences or the experience of other queer people that he's met in his life, but it does it the the tokenism feels much more studio oriented yes. and less personal oriented. Because once again, as you said, there's all this stuff, all this backstory. They clearly like lived in these characters for a while, but Films are made by corporations. They're made by groups. They're not necessarily made by a person. And so that's probably got whittled down until, unfortunately, they were like, well, you know, these people are not the stars. These are not Sarah Jessica Parker, Dermot Mulroney, Claire Nains. So their story is going to have to take a back burner. Yeah. And just be a catalyst for those people, too. Yeah. Uh, I do want to ask, as as we're coming to a close, uh, spoiler alert. If people have not seen this movie, you should, you know, form your own opinions on it. At the end of this film, Luke Wilson, it's a year later, Luke Wilson is now with Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Dermot Mulroney is now with Claire Dane's character. They've all gathered together. Uh, Sybil, the matriarch of the family, Diane Keaton's character, has passed away. And it's their first Christmas without her. And everybody's sort of celebrating the decorating of the Christmas tree. Do you think, and I know that they kind of made their peace with Sarah Jessica Parker, do you think she'd want to be part of that family? <laughs> I think, I mean, she had she had someone who kind of made her let loose in yeah. Luke Wilson's character, so I and especially like they kind of did have a reconciliation towards the end of the film because, you know, that I think why I love Amy so much is I too am a mean bitch who will cry <laughs> at a sentimental photograph. So it's like, 
oh, I get that. Like someone kind of finally cracked that really hard exterior that she has. And, you know, she wasn't perfect during it. I, during that trip either. So I, yeah, I, I think that there are crazier things that have happened in screwball (laughs) comedies and I don't think that that tops it. And that's sort of the reason they end up together is that it is yeah. a, a screwball comedy. I do want to mention, by the way, and I, I sort of alluded to it earlier, after the dinner, Sarah Jessica Parker storms out. Luke Wilson goes after her. They get drunk in a local tavern. She mm-hmm. has an amazing dance scene. And that's why I that's really where like I'm like, wow, Sarah Jessica Parker's very good at this. Um, and that's also where as uh Dermot Moroney and Claire Danes are off to look for her you know, they start to fall in love with each other. This is where that montage comes in of what everybody's um, yeah. doing that night. And, you know, everything comes to head the next morning on Christmas. Sarah Jessica Parker gives everybody a really emotional Christmas gift. It's a framed photograph of uh, Diane Keaton pregnant. Turns out she's actually pregnant with Rachel McAdams in the photo, not Dermot Mulroney, which was what Sarah Jessica Parker assumed. Um, and this lightens everybody's mood towards Sarah Jessica Parker. Unfortunately, all of this then comes to a head when she admits that she slept with Luke Wilson, but not slept with Luke Wilson, slept next to Luke Wilson, causing a fight between Dermot Moroni and Luke Wilson. She goes to the kitchen to start their breakfast. Um, Diane Keaton and Rich McAdams go after her because she's clearly upset and ruin her entire breakfast by hitting her with a door, causing it to spill everywhere, including herself. She finally has her big confrontation where she tells them they're awful and everything gets chaotic from there. I, like I said before, I love that scene where she tells them they're awful. And I think what, what makes me love it the most is, and it's kind of played as a throwaway line, but it's maybe the most important line in the movie, which is when she's like, um, what makes you people so great? And Mm -hmm. Diane Keaton says, we're not, we're just all we have. Yep. What's so great about you guys? Nothing. It's it's just that we're all we've got. We're not so great. And you, you're the worst. I'm the worst. (laughs) And to me, I was like, yes, this, this is your movie. Like, this Mm -hmm. is, um, but for me, it was maybe a little, a little too late coming for, for that. I, but that was. I, I particularly like that scene, um, but I want to make sure that we got to it to talk about that. Oh, yeah. It's uh, that is because, I mean, her calling them the worst and uh, Rachel McAdams being hurt by it, which I find hilarious. Yes. Because I'm like, you were actively tormenting her. You, yeah, you, you know, know this. You know this. <laughs> I mean, you're mean about having to sleep on the couch. Yes. Like, <laughs> suck it up, buttercup. Um but yeah, that line where she's like, what's so great about you? And it's like, nothing. It We're just all we have. And I think that you kind of get hints at that by the way that they all kind of start to regress to who they were growing yes. up in that house. Um, but I think that by actually vocalizing it, you're like, okay, yeah. So my sneaking suspicion that this really weird family is a little bit enmeshed in some places is kind of why they're acting absolutely chaotic. <laughs> chaotic is a perfect way to describe it. That's, you know, yeah. but, but they do it so well because they're a family. <laughs> yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for taking your time out of your holiday month to come and talk to us about one of your favorite, well, talk to me, not us, Louis not here, to talk to me about one of your favorite holiday movies. I really very much appreciate it. I think what I'm taking away from this holiday movie and its very special holiday message is that even if you're with the wrong person during the holidays, see if they have a sibling. Yeah. It could work out. It could work out. <laughs> Sibling, a cousin, a first cousin, a second a, cousin. A parent. What's their <laughs> okay. dad doing? Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you so much. I'm going to give you a moment to plug whatever you want to plug and tell people where they can find you online. And once again, seriously, uh, if you have not read Morgan's review of this film, go seek it out. It's great. Yeah. So um, you can check out... In their own league, we have an advent calendar going. You can read my extremely chaotic review slash dissertation on why Doubt is a Christmas movie. When I told Chelsea we're coming on, she's like, she's going to make you watch Doubt. And I was like, you know what? I'd watch Doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so. They fight over Frosty the Snowman. It's a Christmas movie. Um, but you can check out our stuff over on Twitter at their league, T-H-E-I-R-L-E-A-G-U-E. And then, uh, yeah, Untitled Cinema Gals, we're just popping in and out every so often because Chelsea and I have been uh, particularly busy, but uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Gals. And um, yeah, go check out some of our past episodes. Gavin was on where we talked about turning 30. <laughs> oh, you um, kids. <laughs> us children. Um yeah, we had someone just rediscover the fact that we did coming of age films and Chelsea said that uh, Godzilla versus Kong is her favorite coming of age film. So just go check out the chaos. Uh, <laughs> so much like the Stone family, that's what we strive for over at Simpson Cows. Well, Morgan, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking your time. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you're having an amazing holiday month. And I'll be back with another Gavin's Holiday Gauntlet soon. Thank you for listening to this The Mixed Reviews special presentation. If you want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. You can find us on Facebook. Just search The Mixed Reviews. You can always contact us by our email, reviewsmixed at gmail.com. Feel free to check out our Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to continue listening to the rest of our episodes, subscribe on any major podcast app. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, Audible, Amazon. And if you do listen to us on Apple or Audible, stop by, leave us a five-star rating, and write a little review. We'll read it on the show. Once again, thank you for listening, and I hope you're having a happy holiday. Happy holiday.